0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tech Savvy Professor. My name is Eric Perry. I'm a clinical faculty member at Southern New Hampshire University and a regular member of the Circular Firing Squad Here with my co-host, Marty Gentius.
1: I'm Marty Gentius, uh, Associate Professor at Kent State University, and we're both kind of tech crazy people. Um, we really enjoy it. So that's why uh, we're doing this podcast, and of course, we'd like to hear from you if you have some ideas of shows you'd like. Um, you can always reach us, and we'll give you that information at the end of the show. But uh, today, the topic is how to spice up your online learning because we're all doing online learning right now in some capacity. So we're going to cover a few topics. Eric and I had a chat before the show, and.
0: Uh, What do you want to start with? Well, I I wanted to talk a little bit about polling, uh, a little bit about how we can engage students and and gather feedback and those types of things. And there's some native tools that that we can use depending on the system that we're kind of tethered to. Uh, I know Zoom is a big one, and Marty is going to spend some time on that. And then Adobe Connect is another that I know a lot of systems are using, Um, a lot of university settings are using. I think, you know, wisely, we've decided to skip teams. <laughs> <laughs> it's got its limitations, um, but I, I know a lot of folks are saddled with that, too. So some of the suggestions here uh, will help in that environment as well. But, you know, we know that there's connectivity issues and. and um, Yeah, I got to tell you,
1: I was everybody at my university. Well, the university supports teams. That's their official word. We support teams. Um, but uh, most teachers I know are using Zoom. Uh, and then the the difficult part is if you want to do research using some sort of distance platform, the research group also says it has to be university approved and supported. So we're all stuck on teams doing research, though we're all teaching using
0: uh, Zoom. Yeah, it's interesting that that's, you know, Microsoft has kind of worked their way in with this, but, you know, most of us know at this point that that Zoom is definitely a more reliable, user-friendly and, and adaptable tool. Um, Adobe Connect as well has its connectivity issues and bandwidth issues that, it, that I think affect users probably the most, um, but it has some really comparable kind of features and tools to Zoom. Um, so I was going to talk about that a little bit. So I'll, I'll just jump in and, and talk yeah. about polling.
1: Okay. Um, um, we both talked about a couple of apps. Uh, Poll EV or Poll Everywhere is, is how I usually find it. If you Google that, um, then PollEV.com, I think is the is the site for it. And um, I wound up using it in a class this week, trying to survey students on multiple topic areas um, to determine which topic areas they felt were the most important to talk about in class. And it was a little clumsier than I would have thought to set up a simple poll like that. Um, And maybe I'm not one of those folks that reads directions or I, I kind of if i have to I'll google it and find a youtube video on it. Uh, so there might it might be easy for folks who are much more direction oriented but I had a difficult time setting that poll up but uh, I know a lot of people use it and use it you can use it on multiple platforms and it's great that way.
0: You have any tips on that Eric? Yeah, i think the the nice thing about poll everywhere is that it's, it's really accessible, right? It's easy to use from the student's perspective. You can use any range of devices. So cell phones, your computer browser, really doesn't matter. Um, I think something to be careful of. Uh, a lot of these responses, the poll itself is anonymous. So the student doesn't have to enter any information. And I think we need to be careful topically with what we use these for. So, you know, for example, a sensitive topic that we're allowing uh, these anonymous responses, we have to be prepared for what that might mean, Uh, that students may feel free to share things that could impact the classroom, the experience, or could be potentially harmful. So I think a lot of setup to this polling experience around, you know, what the rules are and what we want to see is good. Um, But, you know, knowing that there's that off chance, there may be something you need to handle in the moment.
1: I have found, uh, them valuable when it's really, I want to seek feedback from students on what they would like to have happen in the class more so than topical areas, um, or sensitive areas. I'd like to know from them and give them a sense of this is where we're going next. And, and this is what we're going to be doing. Um, zoom has a polling function built into it. Um, in, in researching this, I took a look at Zoom and, and the tools that they have available. They have a polling, uh, opport- polling place that you can do. Um, they have breakout rooms, which we probably are all familiar with. The breakout rooms have recently added the capability of having students select which rooms they want to go into instead of you having to manually assign them. Which is good. Apparently, there's a way that you can upload a spreadsheet file into that particular uh, into that particular room, and it will automatically sort your students in to the room based on names. But you know, they log in with a variety of nicknames and things like that. So I haven't tried that. I still wind up doing students manually. There's ways to give nonverbal feedback. Also, changing your virtual backgrounds. And uh, in Zoom, they come with some preset virtual backgrounds. You can also create your own backgrounds. You can uh, look out on the web and find uh, backgrounds that are already made and upload them or add them to your system for that purpose. Most importantly, you can share screens, which is helpful when you're doing with breakout groups and you can get set it so everybody can share screens. A risk involved because there have been stories of people putting dicey stuff up in a shared screen. Um, Whiteboards are available for people to work with. There is uh, annotation uh, tools that you can use on shared screens to annotate what people are seeing and also um, chat availability. And people are very familiar with that. You can have various settings. I find Zoom so complicated. Uh, only in the sense, and I'm saying that in a positive way. there's so many buried treasures in this that you really have to spend a considerable amount of time with your settings to learn what you're turning on and off. Um, so chat, you can set it so students can't chat. you can uh, defaults, I think, so everybody can chat. Um, and then the final thing, and I think you and I talked about doing this in another show about transcribing and transcription of meetings or video that comes from those meetings. There are transcription uh, capabilities with Zoom. And uh, the transcription quality is not necessarily very good if you have international students or folks whose this is not their first language. You're going to see all sorts of challenges with that in the transcription. But there are ways to clean that up, and we can talk about that. Um, in another show. So, yeah, all these tools are already built in to Zoom, um, and, uh, but it takes time for all of us to find them, learn how to use them, learn all the settings that are involved in them, but it's pretty remarkable.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a ton included in Zoom, and, and Adobe Connect, which is in their, I think, 11th iteration at this point, Uh, has a lot of the same features. What I like about Adobe in comparison to Zoom is the flexibility in terms of design. So you can customize your room, your room look, colors, text colors, uh, save your layouts. Uh, Everything works in terms of pods. So you have a pod that includes your students' videos, a pod for your chat, and you can move those around the windows to fit how your students see the screen. So you can dedicate a certain area to chat, a certain area to your poll, um, your video. So the the layouts for those rooms can change. So I have a lecture format for when I'm talking and, and the students are, are just watching. And then I have a collaboration pod set up that I, I save that is for when we're working on something together. And we have that same whiteboard feature um, that we can annotate and work together on things. Um, so I really like the design part. Uh, the breakout rooms seem to work really well uh, and, and actually seems to, especially if you have a larger class, help with the connectivity part. Um, so you tend to get better better results in breakout rooms than you do having the large class. Now you can have topical chats. You can have a couple of different chats going uh, if you have one you know, around a particular topic. Um, You can have, uh, like I said, multiple. You can moderate a chat if you were to need to, right? So that you can approve those messages as they come through. And it opens up uh, for me uh, having different roles for students as part of practice and demonstration. So I can assign a student to be the moderator of the chat um, who looks through that chat exchange. I can assign a student who's going to observe specifically for my students to practice. Skills or tone or pace or you know any particular element of micro skills we might be working on if that's the course. There's also the subtitle options there that are really nice. Um, You can you can embed subtitle files into videos that you share there. Um, Lots of accessibility options for documents and text uh, that I think are really interesting. And if if you're really getting into it and really getting uh, tech savvy, pardon the pun you can include captivate presentations and have interactive recordings as a part of your lessons right so if you were to publish a, a captivate presentation that included clickable content you could allow students to navigate through that so if i had you know for example a, a question i wanted them to answer that had feedback in that captivate presentation they could click on it and select an answer uh, if i were to allow them control so there's tons that you can do Uh, in terms of the features that are already there, Uh, it's, it's why I think Adobe is kind of comparable. I just wish a lot of times that it performed. better. Yeah. So I've got a couple of questions about it since you're, you
1: know, this system better than I do. Um, do, do students need any particular specific access? Do they need an app Do you know, what is the setup from the user side?
0: They can join via browser. Um, they can download uh, the Adobe Connect platform. And as long as, depending on how you set up your meeting, just like you would in Zoom, they could access it and you would select their permissions once they're in the room. So they would just come in as a participant uh, and then you can change their access from the participants panel uh, at any point.
1: So is this built into a learning management system? Is it a standalone product? that uh, people would have to seek out?
0: Adobe Connect is standalone. Uh, it does it does integrate with D2L, Blackboard, Canvas, Moodle. Um, it really just depends on whether or not your university supports it in that way. Yeah. Um, so I know that we we use Adobe Connect quite a bit and have uh, D2L, mm-hmm. but we, it's not integrated with the system. So, so we use it as a secondary tool. So I'm getting overwhelmed just from
1: all the stuff I said about the capabilities of these and then all the stuff you said. Do you have any suggestions as an instructor, how to manage adding these components in to make your classroom a little bit more exciting? What strategy would a instructor
0: use? And I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm talking about all this and getting excited, but that's, that's my techie end. If you're not so savvy and you're looking for ways to get into things, try one feature at a time. And the, the best way to learn I found with Adobe, they have uh, folks on YouTube that they call themselves Adobe evangelists um, that you can look up that walk you through feature by feature, step by step, and find something that you want to try. If you're not comfortable doing it with your class at first, get a colleague, friend, somebody bring them in and try it out. Make sure you test before you bring it into the live classroom. But just try that one thing at a time. Uh, All the things I've talked about, I don't use in every course, or or have have kind of built on as I've moved forward. Particularly with a course I'm comfortable with, Uh, I teach skills courses quite a bit, so I'm really comfortable with that content. So bringing in a new activity that adapts something from a live class and thinking about those elements that will be helpful in in a digital sense really helps.
1: Yeah, I I think about that. um, And I I was thinking the same thing. Pick one item at a time and uh, start with the easier items so you get comfortable with the platform. Um, You know, ask the question, I would really like to do this with my class. Now, how can I do that using this platform? Or are there other apps that you can be running this through? Uh, We've, you know, we've mentioned poll everywhere. There are other apps too, that are available too that, that I use or one that I use. And then one that I heard about that I haven't used yet is Kahoot, which is um, you can set up small quizzes for, uh, for your class. And I will do that in some of the content classes that I teach and have everybody go into Kahoot sometimes they use their real names. I tell them they don't have to. I just want them to get an idea of what content is important from uh, some of the content that's important from what they were supposed to read in preparation for the class and sort of get their own self-assessment on capabilities. So you can get a Kahoot account. They're free. You create the uh, basically kind of exam, poll, multiple choice question thing. And there are all sorts of variations on that. And you get a link that you will then send to your students and they can log in simultaneously or independently, I believe, and uh, take the, the quiz. And you can make it as fun as you like to make it. But at the end, if they're doing it as a group together, they'll have this little like Olympic podium thing at the end where the the high scorer wins. And they'll also get a sense whether they're anonymous or not, sort of where they fall in that information. So I'll use it not all the time with my classes, but maybe with the content class two or three times during the semester. And I do high tech stuff. And to me, it feels a little goofy, but students seem to enjoy. Uh, It's a little competitive, but students seem to enjoy it. Another app similar to that is Flipgrid that I've been told about, and I've I've been in with other tech instructors who have used it, Um, so that
0: might be another one to look at. So I had a couple on the docket, too, that I think are a lot of fun. Um, I really like, there's a couple of websites, flippity.net, and the other one is Bingo Baker. So bingo baker.com And they have templates in them. Uh, bingo Baker is just bingo. The Flippity has some other ones that you can use. It's my low to high tech kind of option. So it helps you create bingo cards. And I've used this for students to have them pick out skills from a video that I'm sharing um, for working on micro skills or you know, to listen to a, a section of video and pick out the theory the clinician is using. Uh, in terms of practice, so uh, just different things that we've done to help them just be more attentive with the content and be able to play around, and it will create randomized bingo cards so that somebody wins when they get a bingo. Um, the other one that I really like that's that's kind of a sillier tool, but uh, you know, in terms of participation, especially early on, it's there's a random name picker. It's at abcya.com. and there's tons of those out there. You can you can select you know, Google search, random name picker, um, and I'll put names in, share my screen, and it scrolls and randomly picks a name. And that's the person who gets to participate or play the client or the counselor or whatever. I've also done it with topics. You know, if there's topics that we need to cover and nobody's sharing, we talk about, here's what we're going to talk about first, right? And it just randomizes things to the point that it, it makes it kind of fun. And I guess it kind of
1: takes the heat off of you to say, I'm picking you. I didn't pick you. The right. randomizer picked you. So
0: you, can you can't be mad at me.
1: It. Just be, be mad at the algorithm. Right. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> you can be mad at the tech and not at me. I, I
1: want to mention, I think uh, before we end, I want to mention one patch. I guess, I don't know what you call it. Maybe it's a supplemental Patch. It turns out to be a camera view when you when you're using it, called mm. -hmm. Uh, My wife hates that title every time I talk about it. It's spelled m m h m m, and it is. uh, It came out oh maybe a year ago, just around Zoom, and it was in beta at the time, and it was kind of said, "Would you like to be?" the news person on Saturday night live, because it throws your slides up over your shoulder, like you're doing the Saturday night live news clip. And originally came out and that was what it did. You'd had to apply to get the beta. And I applied to get the beta because I wanted to do something different in my class. And um, it is now sort of a camera view app. So If you're familiar with Zoom, you have the choice of which camera you want to use. Generally, it's set on the one that's defaults to, but you can switch to mm mm-hmm and it gives you a different background layout. Mm Mm-hmm does some things that now Zoom has picked up and added in, like having the presenter on the screen down in the corner with with whatever you're sharing your screen with. That's now capable with mm mm-hmm, or that's... That's now capable with Zoom, but mm-hmm came, kind of jumped on that bandwagon first. And Zoom has been following them and in some ways exceeding them in ways of doing it. But there's some nice little tweaks that you can do. Um, you can customize yourself. Uh, so it came out as a beta. It was free. Um, people played with it. it was only on Mac at the time. And now it's got a Windows beta that I think is probably near completion so you can use it uh, on a Windows system. Um, and it, it, it allowed you to take your PowerPoint or keynote slides, put them into graphics, drag those slides into a tray, and then you could present those slides with you silhouetted on the screen in a variety of ways. They've switched. And, and you know, I believe if you've, you're using good software that's freeware, Somebody did the job or a group of people did the job to make that software. So I pay for it. Um, I haven't stopped using it and I would have probably paid for it sooner than they have now, but there's a premium account that allows you to do some more tweaks, allows you to open up a whole library of backgrounds that you can do. Um, You can use a laser pointer. You can customize the colorization on your screen. Um, you can do some anchoring uh, of your screen and set with with that. Um, you can also customize rooms. Um, there's a full room catalog, background catalog, and, and a variety of things that you can do with premium. And the premium, I think, is ninety nine dollars a year. Like I said, I pay for stuff um, because programmers got to eat too. So it's nice they give us this free stuff. But if you're using it, pay for it. But mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Uh is something to look into you can get a free trial of it educators can get a year of premium free by signing up through uh through them through uh, uh there's a link you have to go to you have to put some information in and you get permission anywhere five days later or so
0: but it's kind of a fun thing yeah, it's neat i just signed up for the beta as we were talking <laughs> for the, for the windows um, and got an email response really quickly that said that I'm on the list and they'll, they'll get around to me when they can. Um, so I'm excited to try it for windows. Uh, the, the only other thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap up is music. Um, oh yeah. So I, I, I love music and I feel like you can set the tone, the mood, um, and really just start off the class in kind of a fun way. Um, Both Zoom allows for uh, sharing of your computer sound only, so you can play a song in the background. Adobe Connect will allow you to share uh, your computer sound or upload a file that you can play, an audio file. So I generally start off with waiting room music. The first two minutes of class, I'll play a song and let folks connect their headsets and mess with their mics and just kind of get settled. Um, And if it's a good one, I'll sing along a little bit, just because I feel like it sets the mood um, and, and makes things more interesting. That's,
1: that's kind of scary for me. Cause I think of, uh, do I want to start a class with ACDC Thunderstruck um, or, you know, the stuff, <laughs> the stuff that I want to listen to might not necessarily set the mood that I, I, I want to have. So what do you,
0: what kind of things do you play? Do you remember? So I, I last night I taught uh, a live class and, played AJR's bang. The song has a line in it, you know, time to grow. Right? Like in the in the lyrics are all about just growing and moving and developing. And uh thought it was kind of neat. So you have to be you have to be kind of careful with your musical selections, but do you you think talking
1: heads is a safe bet? That would be probably my other selection. (laughs) Or or Frank Zappa. But uh
0: You're really picking a lane here, aren't you Marty?
1: Yeah, I, 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 it's a comfortable lane for me to drive in.
0: <laughs> I'm very eclectic in my musical taste, so I'll bring all kinds of things in. And and I've done polls and asked the students what they want to hear. What's oh. going to motivate you for the course? So I have them pick a genre, a couple of songs, and then I'll do a few selections toward the end of the course. That
1: yeah. Do they ever say getting out of class early motivates me for the course? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of
0: course they do. Yeah.
1: Well, is that it for tonight for this show? I think so. Okay. Uh, that's it for tech savvy professor. We have probably lots more to talk about on this topic. And, and when we finish, we'll say we should have talked about this or that, but we want to make the shows sort of doable, listenable, and hopefully helpful. We will compile these links and put them, uh, on our page with, uh, the tech savvy professor on the podtalk.net. So you can look for us on that link, and you'll find uh, some of the apps and links to the apps that we talked about. So you'll find more about the show there at thepodtalk.net. You you can catch Eric and myself as part of the Circular Firing Squad, also at thepodtalk.net. We've got a new podcast called Counseling Delphi that will come up monthly, and it'll be live streamed and recorded for later viewing. Um, It's going to be panels of experts devoted to topics of interest in our field. And they'll be doing a deep dive on those topics. So look for more about that at CounselingDelphi.net, part of the PodTalk Network. Thanks for listening and feel free to send us questions at thepodtalk.net, gmail.com.